This is part two of my conversation with speaker and trainer Carissa St. Laurent. This is Magical Humans, and I am Vania Vananina. I am an artist and creativity expert, and I'm on a mission to talk to extraordinary people about their creativity, failures, wins, and everything in between. My wish is that these magical humans inspire you to take the leap and lead a creative life. What is a specific roadblock you've encountered in your professional life? One specific instance I can think of is when I worked for uh, a company. So I, I've been an entrepreneur from the beginning. I, my career, I, you know, I launched a company back in 2001 after I moved and started, uh, closed that one down, I started another company. Uh, but then, you know, after 10 years in of being an entrepreneur, I decided I wanted a different level of stability. Mm-hmm. And I started putting that out into the universe. Like I, you know, I really feel like I need some stability. I was on, I was actually making some changes in my company. Anyway, I was already not happy with what the current state of my company was. I ended up uh, getting a job. I ended up getting an offer and it was my dream job. It was like handed to me like, Hey, you want to go do this amazing thing? It's like, ah, uh, hell yeah. And, and I'm going to get and- paid um, really well and treated really well. Um, it was a company I was really, uh, I was already tied to and, and excited about their mission. So I went and did that. And, you know, at a certain point within working for this company, you know, your roles begin to change, Mm -hmm. right? And and my duties and responsibilities started to shift and the deliverables started to change. And then people started to change. And I ended up working with a person who challenged me regularly because of our personality clashes, Mm. but also because of the way uh, that something specifically went down. So I had taken over a team in Southern California. And this team was a, a, a well-established team. And we had we kept having to ask more and more of them. So as the structure within the company changed and our goalposts kept mm-hmm. moving, I, I had to keep asking more and more of them. And so I came into this team at a time when all of these goalposts were moving and I had to start asking them to do a lot more. And my boss's boss at the time, he and I... I would say didn't mesh very well. So this team who had a relationship with my boss, because she's the one who brought all of them on board and she's the one that cultivated them. She had a relationship with them and I was taking over and they didn't like some of the things I was doing and asking them for. Mm. But instead of coming to me, They went to my boss Mm -hmm. and they went to her boss. So they like jumped up and went and spoke to, um, you know, my boss's boss about their unhappiness with me. So it was a tough lesson to learn like, oh, the things that I'm doing that I used to do for my old team and that, you know, created great camaraderie with my old team, like isn't working here. Mm. But what the... The, the thing that was the, the major roadblock was how it was handled. So instead of them going, coming to me, they went up, 
you know, above me, which is okay and fine um, if they didn't feel comfortable talking to me. But then my boss and my boss's boss, instead of coming to me and talking with me about it, I just ended up getting... uh, essentially chastised for it. I was put on a review and I, so I was, it was really handled in this, it's totally what I consider a completely unprofessional way where my boss and my boss's boss should have had my back. So what I learned from that particular roadblock in my career is that, you know, all, even though what you think might be the right choices, uh, that, you oh I always and you always have to ask for that feedback. I wasn't asking for feedback. I was doing a lot of telling of mm. what needed to get done and sharing of wisdom and yes. this, the you know what you things, thought was best yeah. without considering what people were feeling or needing. Or, yeah. Okay. So it was a you know it, it was the first time I had ever had anything within my entire career life as an entrepreneur and as an employed person like before it was the first time I'd ever run into anything mm. like this. So the, the roadblock, you know, just like because of my mindset and, and attitude, which I think is an important way to approach a roadblock is that, you know, I, I looked at it as an opportunity to learn, mm-hmm. of course. So yeah. And just and, get back and ask feedback yeah. and consider people's Thoughts and just be like, hey, is this working for you? Right. To realize. Am I seem rolling you over with my magic and wisdom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a you know beautiful lesson in the end, but, uh, but it's a hard one to Yeah, it's come uncomfortable. By. Well, thank you for sharing that. Can you tell us about Hear Me Roar? Because when this gets published, Hear Me Roar will be available online. So what is this project that you're working on? while you're feeling the most aligned you've ever been in your life and how is it going to help people? I created a program called Hear Me Roar to help soul-searching female entrepreneurs and professionals to find and free their voice and be able to use their voice in a powerful way in whatever realms they so choose. I'm a professional speaker, but I haven't always been a professional speaker. I was deathly afraid of public speaking uh, for a long time. I ended up through different trainings, mostly actually actor trainings, not necessarily speech coaching and training, uh, but through different trainings, through just pure, raw experience, as well as a lot of healing and soul searching and finding of myself and my own inner voice have become a public speaker. And I absolutely love it and love what it brings to me in my life. And also the vehicle it gives me to be able to share information with other people. And I want to give that same thing to other female entrepreneurs to be able to use their voice in that powerful way. Hear Me Roar is an online course and it can be accessed anytime. So it's a rolling admission. You can start when you want. You can take uh, whatever time you wish to complete it. And the whole idea is to be able to access the inner voice, face your fear, whatever level of fear you have of public speaking, to be able to learn tried and true professional speaking techniques along the way that help you create and craft presentations and talks and speeches. Um, But ultimately, it's about finding the magic within. Mm -hmm. The magic within what you want to say, the magic in the uh, worth that you feel to say it, 
and the opportunities you have to help heal and shape and inform other people in the world with whatever messages you have to bring. That's beautiful. So this program, it, it doesn't matter what field of work these women are on. All female entrepreneurs and professionals. So it doesn't matter the field you're in, the industry. It doesn't even matter if, you know, you may not want to take the stage and be a professional speaker or a speaker from the stage. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just want to be more effective at speaking at meetings or leading meetings. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to be more effective at networking events and being able to speak to a lot of different strangers. It might be that you just, you know, want to do uh, things like this where you're doing podcasts and webinars and videos and being able to use your voice in that way. That's amazing. It sounds like a really amazing resource. And what I not just seeing it without knowing your story, it sounds like an amazing program. But then knowing everything you've been through and your personal experience as a human and as a professional speaker and work working in the corporate world and healing yourself and being in alignment with yourself, like who wouldn't want to be coached by someone that has their shit together like that. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I'm excited to to have it out in the world. I'm excited for people to experience it and, and give me feedback too. Yes, it. yes. Big lesson learned. What was a toy you always wanted but never had? Oh, wow. Um, so I always wanted to a, a go-kart or a car driving toy. So my brother... <laughs> a Power Wheels car? <laughs> yes. So my brother got a go-kart my, and my dad built it for him like really early on. And I secretly wanted to be able to drive the go-kart or have my own car or vehicle, but I didn't have the confidence enough. I think my parents would have They would have been happy to give it to me, but I didn't have the confidence, one, to ask, and two, to drive it and be in, and not feel like I was going to crash and die. So, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I Because the thing is, about four or five people that have come onto the podcast have said that they've always wanted like a Power Wheels. Oh, seriously? Yes. Oh yes. But it's so interesting what you're saying that you didn't have the courage to ask for it because you didn't have the confidence. Right. And you thought you were going to crash and die. I, that yeah. is so interesting. Okay. What is a moment when you feel magical? When I'm speaking, I feel totally aligned with myself when I'm sharing and teaching and speaking. So I, I put all of that in the same category. It doesn't matter if I'm at a conference mm. and on stage in front of 500 people or if I'm in the front of a classroom and teaching 20 people. I feel the same way inside. And magical. Yes, it's magical because I am sharing my knowledge. I'm sharing my energy. I am helping and I hope inspiring people and connecting with other human beings. And I love the exchange of energy too. It's not just me giving out energy. It's this exchange that happens with audiences and uh, with students and, and anybody that you're speaking with, you know, even one-on-one -on -one, that yes. exchange happens. But when I'm speaking in front of a group of people, there's an exchange from a lot of different folks. And, and I love Of the being kept on my toes mm -hmm. in that way too. It feels challenging and I like that edge that I ride. Oh, 
when I'm speaking. But it's, I can totally tell. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first dollar you ever earned? As a babysitter. So I, my, I grew up going to this uh, swim club in, mm -hmm. in my town and got to know families that way. And I started babysitting when I was pretty young. And, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm Korean and I'm, I'm a petite woman. So imagine me as like <laughs> a, a 11 or 12 year old. I look like I was eight, but somehow. And you were babysitting. Families were entrusting me to babysit their kids. And uh, so, yeah, I, I started earning money that way. It was my first, my first dollars earned. Nice. What is the best advice someone gave you? My dad, when I was away living in New Zealand and had my, my year abroad there, I remember speaking to him on the phone one of, you know, one of the times we checked in at least once a week and I, it was, you know, we were going towards the end of the school year. And I said to him, I can't believe that how fast this went. I can't believe that, you know, I'm going to be coming home in a couple months. So he said to me, well, enjoy every moment because when you get to my age, five, 10 years are going to go by and you'll look back and go, where the hell did that time go? So as fast as what, you know, how life is feeling for you right now, just wait till you get to my age. It's going to go by even faster. And now I'm, I'm almost at the age he was at when he gave me that advice and I couldn't agree more. What is your relationship with grief? I've had to grieve from a couple of lost relationships and not always through death. Mm -hmm. So thankfully the, the only people who have died in my life have been uh, people who've lived long lives. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of an easier acceptance of that. The other experiences of grief I've had are, are of relationships I've had to let go of people that did not die, but that, that I've had to say goodbye to in my life because of them not being healthy mm -hmm. for me in my life. And, um, there's absolute grief around that because they're, they are... It's a loss. It's a loss. It's absolutely a, a profound loss. But what I gained from that, the acceptance of the loss is that I have to let myself feel this pain and go through the grief and go through the loss and accept the loss. Um, absolutely have to face it. And I have to accept it as reality in order for me to be whole and happy. Um, so I think grief is important, but it needs to be fleeting. It, mm. it can't be something we hold on to and that we allow to eat away at our, at ourselves. I don't think that anybody who, you know, maybe is at the source of that grief would ever want that for us. And uh, I just, you know, I, I think that it's not a healthy way of living and being in the world to be mired in, in grief, but to embrace it, accept feel it, it, feel it, absolutely it have to do that. Yeah. I, this brings back a really powerful memory for me, uh, like three 
three, four years ago, I lost a special being in my life that died. And I did not expect this was a, even though I I've been very aware of my mortality and other people's mortality since a really young age. This was the first time where I felt that this intense pain mm -hmm. and heartbreak came through me like a beam of light, like just like parted my being in two. It was just pure love and it was so powerful and I have no, I'm out at a loss of words to explain it, but that is if I can consolidate my experience. Uh, it was the first time I experienced grief and pain that way where I felt it came through my body and I felt every inch, every centimeter of it with every cell of my body. And then the same way it entered my body, weeks later, it came out of my body like a beam of light. And it was a really powerful experience. So I can relate to what you say. That's incredible. Wow, to have such a physical, visceral reaction to that emotional experience. That's amazing. What is your favorite word? My favorite word right now and, and you know, ask me in a year, five years, <laughs> I don't know, it, maybe next week it might change. But my favorite word right now is possibility. Mm. I am currently living in this real high state of realizing a lot of what's possible for, for me and really stepping into that. And I think that it's, and, and that's also infused in my work and what I want to give to other people too, is if it's for them to also feel at the heart of who they are, that they are possible. Mm -hmm. Share an unpopular opinion. My husband and I homeschool our son and we are of the opinion that school is a means of social control and a means of creating conformity and okayness with authority. And I'm not saying we want to raise some rebel anarchist, but we are much more concerned about raising a human being who's kind and curious and creative and who understands the world from a critical perspective, mm -hmm. um, who doesn't have the fear of questioning authority and questioning the status quo. So we've chosen homeschooling How do you release stress? I love to walk. I am major, and I'm not, I wouldn't say like, oh, I'm a power walker and I yeah. put on my power walking shoes and I go do laps. I, I just love to walk. Uh, I also love cities and city living. And for me, combining those two is really fun. And it's a, a wonderful stress relief of being able to uh, walk and 
and move and be exercising my body and taking in oxygen, but also seeing and being stimulated yeah. by things that, you know, maybe just take my mind away from what I'm, I might be stressing out about. Um, I have a pretty good relationship with stress and, and stress really truly being, you know, this intersection of, of the, the stimulus, the stress stimulus and our ability to respond to it. Where do you get your best ideas? Kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where there are so many sources of information that we tune into. And I'm like you, where I tune into a lot of inspirational and just good sources of information. So I'm taking in information from a lot of different places that I feel just alchemizes in my brain and in my mm. body. So I can't point to one thing. thing that, oh, I get good ideas from this, from thing. this particular thing, because I, I think it, it truly comes from a bunch of different sources. So it's like that collective consciousness. It comes from me being aligned within myself. And, and then it comes from just living an inspirational life that I feel uh, is my, the best expression of myself. And when I've got all that going and I'm in my flow, then ideas just come. That's amazing. What was the last gift you gave someone? So the last gift I gave to someone was actually this morning. I gave my son a pack of Pokemon cards. Ooh. I know he was just having one of those mornings that we all have where he's like grumpy and feeling tired. But I know that tired was more from like an emotional tiredness kind of, not necessarily physical tiredness, just felt a little weighed down by his responsibilities and the world. And I thought it would be a good time to cheer him up. So oh. I gave, gave him those. That is so sweet. What is something that you failed at? The failure that's coming up for me was actually the relationship before my now current relationship with my husband And it was a man I was with for, we were together for five years. And then we had two years of back and forth. Mm -hmm. Basic, I call it the long breakup. Yes. <laughs> it was just this long drawn out, which eventually ended up exactly where it was going to, which was the, was in the breakup. And I feel like I spent a, a lot of time during the relationship blaming him for the failure in the relationship. But in the two years of this long breakup, I did a lot of self-reflection and healing and realized that I had failed him in so many ways. Mm. And it was heartbreaking to me. What is your favorite product? I mean, I don't want to admit this is probably my iPhone <laughs> because of, I mean, it's certainly if you were to measure the amount of time I spend on my phone and see that as a, as a ways of measuring how much I like something, then that would, that would be the clear winner. Can you share with us a really embarrassing, cringe-worthy moment in your life? <laughs> Yeah, so I when I was in eighth grade, 
I had my first boyfriend in eighth grade uh, and my first relationship that lasted as I think a month, maybe just under a month long. He was a new boy in town and all the girls loved him. He was so dreamy and he wanted to go out with me. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? But I didn't know how to be in a relationship. And we were in eighth grade. So the relationship didn't last long. He ended up breaking up with me at a school dance Ugh. of all places. <laughs> like, get, come on, boy, who, who taught you? He, he did obviously did not have the rule book for yes. how to treat girls nicely. And then he ended up going out with somebody who was a friend of mine. Mm. And I was super jealous of this relationship. And we were on a bus going to a field hockey game. So this girl and I played field hockey together. And I um, had my my Walkman mm -hmm. <laughs> at the time, my Walkman. And I was listening to my tape. I'm sure it was like Madonna or Culture <laughs> Club or something like that. And I had my headphones on. I pretended to not... Listen. know how loud I was speaking because I had my headphones on and I yelled something to her about this boy um, out loud so the whole bus could hear yes but pretending that oh I just couldn't tell yes how, how loud, loud I'm, I'm being speaking. Yeah. she was super embarrassed and as soon as I did it as soon as it came out of my mouth I was horrified what and so say? embarrassed and I just like just cringed and crouched in my in the back seat of the bus and it felt horrible you know but I couldn't stop myself it was just like this, yeah, this uh, inner vicious. mean girl, this inner jealousy, like just totally driven by that, you know, having no emotional regulation at the time. And it just like blurted out something. I don't even remember, honestly, what I said. I just remember it being rude and uh, embarrassing. Mm. And I knew it was going to be embarrassing to her. Yeah, that was. Well, it's in the past. And <laughs> yeah. Let's hand, send her some light. And and you, also, you know, um, you did the best you could with the information you the had time. at the time. <laughs> what is a crazy travel story? I went to Korea for my honeymoon. And this is the country I was born in. And it has a lot of meaning for me. Um, I did have a lot of profound moments there, too, because of the place that Korea holds in my life. But this was not one of those <laughs> profound <laughs> moments. Um, in Korea, in public restrooms, there's oftentimes no toilet paper. You're expected to bring toilet paper <laughs> with you. Someone yeah. told me that about China. Yeah, it's in, probably true uh, of a Asia lot of countries. Thing. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes you see it here in the States in, you know, a park. Maybe it's because it's out, right? Exactly. This is like... There just isn't. There's no dispenser for it. There's no toilet paper because they expect you to bring your own toilet paper in there. <laughs> I knew this. I had read about it, but I just forgot. You know, we were um, out and about in the, in this one area. My husband was waiting outside for me, and I go into this bathroom. I had to go number two. So this was not a time in which to have forgotten this very important travel tip. Oh my God. But I forgot and I'm in there. And as soon as I 
finish and realize I have no toilet paper, I was like, oh my God, Mark. And I just, <laughs> I start screaming for my husband. He's just like, he's out. This is our public, he's like out in, you know, the city. And I'm just <laughs> sitting there going, what the fuck am I going to do? And no one's coming in. And finally I hear someone come in and I was like, you're like, excuse person, me, help me, excuse me. But a lot of people in Korea don't speak English. So this person's just ignoring me. They don't either. They don't know what I'm saying or they're just like, I'm not helping this crazy American person yelling from the bathroom stall. Exactly. So I'm sitting there, sitting there like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? This is, this is devastating. And uh, so I start rifling through my bag and I'm like, I must have some like napkins or tissues in here, something. No napkins, no tissues. Oh my God. The only thing I have that is anything (laughs) remotely related to toilet paper is my journal. (laughs) And it's the paper in my journal. Oh my God. And that journal is like the best thing I ever saw at that moment. I'm like, something. Something. So I, I turned to the back of my journal and I just ripped out a few pages <laughs> and I end up wiping myself with my journal and saving the day. <laughs> so that is such a good travel story. Oh man. Thank God for journals. Yes. You're traveling. Oh my God. They're good for more than writing down your <laughs> profound and embarrassing moments. Oh my God. My cheeks hurt. <laughs> okay. Okay. Please share a specific tool hack, resource, technique regarding your field of work? So this is, I'm currently in a certification course for applied neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved neuroscience and brain anatomy, brain health, the psychology tied to neuroscience. Fascinating to me. So I'm, I've decided to uh, take the certification course. And one of the uh, mnemonic devices and, and acronyms that the instructor, trainer, the neuroscience that I'm studying through created is something that I've applied in my program. And it's something that I think, I mean, so it's useful for anything in your life. Uh, as someone learning to be a public speaker and learning to be more confident and comfortable as a presenter, it can also be applied there. And the acronym is, is REFIRE. And each of the letters stands for something. So the R stands for reason. If you want to learn something and learn it well, you need to have a good reason, personal why, for why you're doing it. If you don't have a strong reason for it, you're not going to put the energy and effort into all the things that you need to do to actually learn this new skill. The E, uh, the first E stands for engage. So you need to engage yourself in everything that is required, all of the skills, all of the learning, all of the practice that is required in gaining a new skill. You can't just want something new. Like I can't just say, oh, I, I want to be a more confident and comfortable public speaker and then become one. There's work that's involved. So you have to actually engage yourself in the the skills and the learning and the practice and also engage with a teacher guide instructor who can give you really constructive feedback around that. 
The F stands for feel. And the feel part of it is that you truly have to have an emotional connection to what you're learning. You have to uh, be connected to things, not just from, you know, a cognitive way, but from an emotional uh, way as well. The I stands for imagine. And imagine in, in the realm that we're talking here is all about mental rehearsal. So you can actually rehearse things before you do them or as you're learning to do them, rehearse them in your mind. Your brain actually doesn't know the difference between a mental rehearsal and actually physically doing the thing. So it will create the, the neural connections and the neural connectivity in your brain circuitry as you practice mentally as if you were doing it. So anything you're trying to learn, practice it in your mind as well as in the world physically to really set that, the new learning into place. The R stands for repeat. And this is where the practice, practice, practice comes into play. You have to repeat the skill the habit, the thing you're learning. So this is, you know, if you were learning to play the violin, you were learning to play baseball, if you're learning to be a public speaker, any of these things, right? You have to do these repetitive motions and repetitive, whatever the skill is, do it over and over and over again to create these uh, new neural ruts. Like we have lots of neural ruts of all the habits that we've created and yes. all the things that we know how to do. We just do them off a lot of things we do with it, even without thinking anymore. But if you're learning something that is new to you, you have to do all of this repetition in order to, to create new ruts and mm. new connectivity. The last E stands for extend. And this is you pushing yourself to the edge of your comfort zone. The edge is what psychologists call the flow state or what we maybe call this like being in the zone. Mm -hmm. So pushing yourself to that edge is the place between boredom and fear. Mm -hmm. So you're on that edge of, okay, I'm not bored anymore. I'm challenged enough, but I'm not challenged so much that I'm scared. Ooh. And when you ride that line, you are, ex you've extended yourself into this flow state, this comfort zone, the edge. And that's really where your brain and you learn the best. And your listeners may just need to rewind the podcast. Awesome. What is something that you wish people knew about adoption? The thing I want people to most understand about adoption is that the person being adopted isn't necessarily being saved mm. from their circumstances. That as awful as their circumstances may have been, that adopted person's not necessarily going to feel like they're being saved. They're more likely going to relate to the trauma of being ripped away from everything they know. So if you have a relationship with or want to relate better to adopted people, you have to relate to their trauma, relate to the fact that they're operating often from a place of loss, mm. really profound loss of their first family and 
they're typically, if it's a transracial adoption, uh, they're the loss of their culture and language and ev- and everything they know. So it's a it's something that I can look at the the social service side of adoption and how wonderful that can be to give children who don't have a home or have families to give them a home. And, and there's a lot of beautiful elements of that, but uh, we can't look at that alone in a mm. vacuum. You have to look at the person who's being brought into that scenario. And to me, you know, that's the, you know, not just because I am an adoptee, but because I think it's the the lost piece that is often not uh, examined is the life of that ad- adopted person outside of or before their life within their adoptive family. On that note, I want to end with a reflection on light and darkness because I feel this, what you just said, like you cannot just think of it as you you cannot only acknowledge one part of the equation, you have to acknowledge the other one. So the other day you and I were talking about how there's this, I don't want to say fat, but you know, like self-care and baths and crystals. And that is all beautiful and luxurious to pamper ourselves. But There's also, like you were talking about how we cannot see things in a positivity vacuum where everything is light and everything is positive and everything, I mean, yes, stay vibrating in a positive high frequency, but you also have to acknowledge the darkness within us and outside of us. So, yeah, I think the the only way to truly experience the light within and to set it free so that you can share it with others is to also accept and embrace the darkness as well. I saw a quote or a thought <laughs> that someone shared recently you, uh, about this saying, you know, you, you can't love yourself and not love all the experiences that you've had in your life, you know, meaning, you know, all of the dark and sad and traumatic and experiences of loss and grief and pain, those all make us who we are as well. Everything that we go through as a collective experience makes us who we are. If I were to shun those elements of me, that whether it's an experience or even something I've done or a feeling or thought I've had, you know, what, what, you know, a lot of people call the shadow side or the shadow self. If I were to shun that, I am cutting myself off from one half of who I am. Mm. You know, I, I love the philosophy, like Chinese medical philosophy. It's not just medical. It's really a overarching philosophy uh, of yin and yang and the balance in, of this light and darkness. And if you look at that, you know, yin and yang symbol of where you've got the, the two, They look like paisleys, mm-hmm. right? That are connected, and one of them's white, and there's a, a dark a black circle in it, and one of them's black, and it's got the white circle in it. The meaning and the symbology of that is the that in the light there's always dark, and in the dark there is always light. So, and then then they together create a whole. Separately, they're not whole. They're not a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in order for us to truly be whole human beings and to fully 
be in our wholeness, we have to be in both our light and our dark. Mm. Thank you for that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your deepest feelings and emotions and experiences with me and the audience. Thank you for the light and the dark that you bring into the world um, because that makes you who you are and you're such a magical human with mm. such um, positive warm energy that can be felt thank you so much I feel the same way about you and, and this has been an honor thank you this is what I am taking away from my conversation with Carissa number one You don't have to be a good girl or a perfect student. You are allowed to say fuck it and take a whole different path. Number two, your product or service is not for everyone. Our work won't satisfy every need and service every demographic, and that is okay. And it's the same with you. Not everyone will like you and support you, and that is okay. You don't have to be friends with everyone. Stay true to yourself. Number three. If you want to understand your audience, you need to understand yourself first. We need to connect to our soul and hone our intuition. You can't provide anything for others that you haven't provided for yourself first. Number four, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you need to nurture and take care of everyone. You have the right to explore your inner self and not consider society's external markers. Number five, we want to heal because we need to be healed. We put certain energies out there because we need them the most. Number six, accept and embrace the dark parts of yourself. Those make us who we are as well. Number seven, this is a reminder to meditate, to take one minute and close your eyes and just take deep breaths. Your mind and your body We'll thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you feel a little bit more inspired, more magical, more human. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show. Say hello to me on Instagram and tell me what resonated with you or what did you like the most about today's episode. If anything you listened to made you think of someone, please go share it with them. The world is a better place when we make each other feel seen. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I see you, I hear you, I love you. Talk to you next week. Bye. This show is produced by Annie Fassler of Puddle Creative with music by Megan Diana and cover art by Vania Vananina, that's me, and Maya Busby. Busby.